I am just, just overwhelmed uh, this morning by how much I just love you guys. Um, I don't know. I just, I felt, you know, it's funny. I don't usually feel that. No, I feel it usually. <laughs> but I, to, to just see you all worshiping God together. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, <laughs> I, I, when people compliment me, I sound like Larry the Cucumber, apparently. Well, thank you. I, um, so, I, no, I have, um, I, but it's just such a, just such a beautiful thing to have all of you folk together, uniting in voice around the table, worshiping God together. And it can, it can, as a minister, sometimes it can be tough. Those of you who have been ministers before, be tough Sunday morning. Sunday morning, you can be managing things and herding cats and making sure this thing happens and then this thing happens. Um, but it's just so nice to be with a group of people who do not all agree on everything. That's what's fantastic. Um, now, someday, we're all going to get you under one roof, but probably not, right? But here we sit, worshiping God together. I think about the people of Israel. They're all from one nation. They all have one background. They are freed slaves standing in front of a mountain and all united around their, their common background, their common history, hearing God call them to be a kingdom of priests. Call them to be a group of people who represent to the world this God who has freed them. This God who has brought them up out of slavery. And then he says, you shall have no other gods before me. And then he says, do not make an idol. Now growing up, I thought, couldn't this be like the nine commandments with this, that, you know, one and then one A. Don't idols sort of fall under that category? And then I kept reading, as we will in a second, and it hit me what he means here. That there are times when we follow other gods, and then there are different times when we worship idols. And those can look very different. God gives the Ten Commandments, and then he gives more commandments. You get to the end of Exodus 20, he keeps right on trucking. And it's a lot of commandments. That's a lot like us to just stop with the first ten but they are significant. And he tells them right out of the gate, to, to be a kingdom of priests, you shall have no other gods, but there's this second commandment. Do not have idols. When I was a kid, Father's Day was a day for fathers to repent of being awful fathers. 
Do y'all remember those sermons growing up? Mother's Day was, I mean, my goodness, throw the rose petals on the ground. Let's hoist them on our shoulders and parade about the, the auditorium. But Father's Day, the scowl on the preacher's face as he looked upon the dads with disdain. It was such a stark comparison. I mean, it felt like on Mother's Day, we told Jesus, hey, can you take a break? Because today's about mothers. I've always wanted to switch it as a preacher. I've just never had the gall. <laughs> I've never been able to stand on Mother's Day and say, look at you bunch of failures. <laughs> I've thought about it, and I've just never been able to pull it off. It's like preaching on gluttony, on potluck. just can't be done. <laughs> So we have Father's Day, and we've never been tempted quite to exalt fathers. Um, but I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you as, as dads. It can be tough. And you're doing great. But it's probably best that we just constantly remind ourselves that we're not quite perfect. That even though we are loved and cherished and um, respected and honored, that we're not quite perfect. We don't make all the right choices. Dads, moms, siblings, we don't all have it together. And so while I love you guys, the sermon about idols is tough. So I want you to hear it from the place of love that it comes. And it's not just me to you, it's me to me, and maybe you're getting hit in the cross, crossfire. The first idol happens pretty quickly. Y'all remember it? Teenagers, what's the first idol? The golden calf, Yes. It's a, it, it's a golden cow. And you remember how it happens. It just happens 12 chapters after the, the Ten Commandments. 12 chapters after, Jesus, after God says to his people, his kingdom of priests, you guys are to have no idols. You are not to make any idols, any graven images. I don't care what it is, where it's from. No graven images. Here they are. God gives chapters 20 through 31 commandments to the people. And then the people say, where is Moses? Where has he gone? And they go to Aaron and they say, Aaron, where is Moses? What's he doing? Where has he gone? And Aaron says, I've got this. You remember how God said, you shall have no other gods. But I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then he skips straight 
to not taking the Lord's name in vain. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give me all your gold and we're going to melt it down and cover a calf and tomorrow we're going to worship this thing. It's not just an impulse idol, is it? They planned it. Tomorrow we're... But listen to his words closely. He says, tomorrow we will have a festival to Yahweh, to the Lord. If you look in your Bibles, it'll say to the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Tomorrow we will have a festival. And he's pointing at this golden calf and he's saying, tomorrow we will have a festival to the Lord. There there is worshiping other gods, but a lot of times when we create idols, it's tying God to something that he doesn't want to be tied to. So while I may not have, I may not have an actual idol in my house. Now some of you might, and it might be the color of your favorite sports team. But that's not the kind of idol that got God upset enough. Because God, after they do this, God looks down at the people. And after 12 chapters of saying, my people who I brought out of Egypt, he turns to Moses and says, look at what your people whom you have brought out of Egypt, look at what they're doing. Like a parent in a kitchen saying, look at your son. And the, and the people are worshiping this golden calf. Now, they're singing praises to Yahweh. They're singing praises to the God that brought them up out of Egypt. But what they have done is they fashioned an image that makes them more comfortable than a fiery mountain. They've put together something that they, they say, all right, this is that. And it allows them to process it a little better. They've said, this, the, this is the God. This is Yahweh who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is the Lord your God. This is Yahweh your God. And God looks down and says, all right, Moses, I have a plan. I'm going to kill all of them and do for you what I did for Abraham. God essentially says, I've got time. And Moses, in one of the strangest interactions in all of Scripture, says, that's a bad idea, God. He says, if you do that, the Egyptians will claim that you brought them out into the desert just to kill them. And God says, good point, I won't. You make sense of that on the way home. I'm not doing it up here. <laughs> but they are worshiping Yahweh. Calling out his name and pointing at a golden calf. We might not often say, I'm going to worship this other God. We might not often say, I'm going to worship Baal 
or I'm going to worship Asherah, or I'm going to worship Zeus, or so on and so forth. We might not pick other gods. But when it comes to tying God to something God does not want to be tied to, we just never seem quite to run out of rope, do we? We go to political rallies and say, tomorrow is a festival for the Lord. Put the rope down. God can't be tied to your politics. God can't be tied to your ideas. God can't be tied to any... I, there, we will come into the presence of God and be overwhelmed by what we didn't know about God. We will come into the presence of God and while we, the clearest picture we have of God is Jesus and that's all we need to know. God does not fit in our brain. God can't be summed up or reasoned out or, or argued for. It's insane to me when people are, they, they get into these ideas of like, well, let's, if we can just, here's what we'll do, we'll have a debate and I'll prove to you that God exists. God's going to have an e easier time proving to the world that I exist. I, God is unfathomable. I cannot Take God and put God in a place where he can be easily understood. Even Jesus is strange to the world around me. Even Jesus is an anomaly. Put Jesus in any group of human beings and he stands out. And he calls us all, all different ideas, all different backgrounds, all different perspectives. Jesus calls us to something more. And points us to a God that whenever God shows up, read Ezekiel 1. Well, what does it look like when God shows up there? There's fire and, and ice and wheels with rims that are high and awesome. Look it up. It says it twice. Ezekiel encounters God and goes, I can't wrap my head around it. It's like that. I can't figure it out. And we think we can put a bumper sticker on our car that says, if you aren't this, then you aren't that. We think we can have these ideas that says, God is specifically and always for this type of person. If your God votes with you and agrees with you and, and is always walking with you, then your God's a mirror. You can't... You walk with God. Let God shape you. Let God change you. But what we often do is we just... I, I grew up in the Church of Christ. Like deep-rooted Church of Christ. So I know this world. And you probably do too, no matter your background. This happens all over the place. It's not just the churches of Christ. But I thought, why, my goodness, aren't I lucky to have been born into the church. The one that's got it all right. When in the end, it's just the thought, like I just have 
the, the thoughts I've always have and then God ordains them. My opinions are the one God's, God likes. It's just a joke. I don't mean it seriously, but I think it's funny to say I've never met anyone who believes in predestination that, and feels they're predestined to hell. I get there's serious theologians that disagree with me on that one. But we all think that the way we've got it understood, the way we, underst- the, the way we get it, the way we understand it, the way we read our Bibles is the right way. Of course you do. But, but I'm done tying God to a church sign that says Church of Christ. I am done tying God to a politics that's specific to America. Those idols cannot hold him. We cannot point to those things and say, tomorrow we will have a festival to the Lord. We cannot point to those things and say, this this is our God that brought us up out of Egypt. The United States can't hold God. Neither can South Africa or France. Definitely not France. <laughs> Nothing can. No nationalism, no, no race, no ideology can hold God. God hasn't picked your team. Quit trying to bind God to what you've got going on, to what your opinions are. God doesn't watch your news channel. Quit trying to bind God to something else. Quit pointing to that and saying, tomorrow is a festival to the Lord. At 7 o'clock nightly. Our idols are the things that we have bound the God of the universe to. And we, we won't let God get away. And if we are going to be a kingdom of priests, if we are going to represent this wor- the, to this world the God who has freed us, the God who has set us free from our chains, we can't in turn offer the chains back to God and say this is the way God functions. We just must be the type of people who can sit in the presence of God and be shaped by God. If a cross can't hold him, neither can we. And so, when God says, you shall have no other, you shall not make idols, God is calling us to let God rage like a fire on a mountain. To not be able to explain God through an equation or through a 
through a summary or through an idea or through an ideology or through... God's bigger than what you can imagine. And then he says, I will bring upon generation after generation two or three for those who are cursed, thousands for those who follow me. If your kids grow up believing God is a politic or if your kids grow up believing God is an ideology or if your kids grow up believing God is tied to a church sign, it'll take a bit for them to get out of that. It'll take a while. But if your generations get to run in the freedom that is the God who burns like a fire on a mountain, the God who rolls in with wheels that are high and awesome, the God who is unexplainable except for this strange man from Nazareth who, who loved his enemies and prayed for those who persecuted him, who, who ate with tax collectors and Pharisees alike, They are free. So generation after generation after generation can experience a freedom that comes from a God who can't be explained. Doesn't need you to argue for him. God does not need you to argue for God. But God, what God is calling you to is not for some, somebody to like, well, let me prove to you God exists. But God is calling us to be a kingdom of priests for the God on the mountain. And we can't do that if we think God is tied to the idol. We can't, we, we won't achieve it. We start, we, start arguing for, we start arguing for the idol, don't we? Proving to you why my perspective is proper and your, we start arguing for the idol. And sure, maybe you're right. Doubt it. None of us are all the way, are we? The best, the closest thing we can be to being truly theologically correct is knowing God's bigness is too big for me to handle. And that all, I'm, that all, that what God wants me to know about God, he showed me in Jesus. And so God says, if you want to see me, look at Jesus. And we say, excellent. Jesus is on my team. And all of a sudden we've had Jesus to something too. This is incredibly important in today's age. Two things I love about Facebook. I was talking with somebody about this yesterday, actually. Yes, yeah. I love the ads. I love that they're tailored to me. I love that I can talk about something, and Facebook's like, here, here's where you can buy that. 
Some people are creeped out by that. But that's like a mall built just for Benjamin. I like it. I only go on Facebook for the ads. And I like unfollowing people. You can't do that in real life. You can't, you can't, someone can't be talking to you and you can't go, oh, this is ridiculous. Snooze you for 30 days. That's just not, it's not, a, not an option. We have to do that, though. Because then you get crazy on there. Crazy. And Facebook and Twitter where people just don't have to look other people in the eyes and they can be rude. That's a, that's a place where people tie God to all sorts of things. And not just like regular things, weird things. Weird things that, like conspiracy theories that like, they're just insane. We can't, we can't be the kingdom of priests and be absolutely nuts online. We can't be a kingdom of priests and tie God to thing, anything, much less things that don't even make sense. We can't be a kingdom of priests and be rude. Just because we think the God, God is tied to that thing, so therefore it's worth standing up for. God does not need you to fight for God on Facebook. We cannot be a kingdom of priests and have our idols too. We just can't. And that's our goal here. Our goal is not to be right about God. Our goal is not to have, be correct about the Bible. That, that's going, we're, we're going to fail at that. We're going to fail. You're going to misunderstand your Bible and you're going to be wrong about God. It's going to happen. But to be a kingdom of priests that point to God and from the perspective of Jesus, loving others as ourselves and loving others as God has first loved us and loving God with everything we have. If we demonstrate the love of God, there is nothing that can bind us, nothing that can hold us back. Now, there are ways that Satan's wanting to manipulate this message in your heart right now. Well, if I love them, I'll tell them they're wrong. No. No. Love doesn't look like a lecture. Love looks like listening. Love looks like hearing and experiencing life with somebody. You can't lecture love. We have this is a moment in our lives where we have to choose if we are going to tie God to some ideology, tie God to some politic, to some way of thinking about the world, to a nation even, or are we going to let God burn like fire on a mountain? Are we going to let the king sit on his throne? Because I'll tell you that Tying God to anything is, is idolatry. Tying God to any, it's idolatry. It's saying, well, this sums up God. That's our idol. Quit trying to sum up God. Quit, give, give up your idols. Not, not because, well, that's sin. 
Yeah, it is. It is sin. But that's not why we don't do things. The reason we don't do things is because we want to be a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of people who represent God to the world. And if we're trotting out our golden calves or donkeys or elephants and saying, this is the one true God, tomorrow we will have a festival to it. We are not representing God well. The reason we don't worship idols, the reason we don't tie God to things is because we want to show God to the world and we want to show the love of God to the world. And oftentimes, when we've got our idol and they've got theirs, love doesn't show up to those conversations. I deeply love you guys. But I think it's incredibly important for us to sit at the foot of the mountain as a called kingdom of priests and hear the word of the Lord that we shall not bind God to anything. If we want to be a kingdom of priests, we have to give up. Give up on, on that attempt. And so we won't bind him to our church sign. We won't bind him to our traditions. We won't bind God to our, to, to our ideas, our politics, to our nation. We won't, we're not doing that. Because those idols cannot hold the God who burns like fire on a mountain.